Today, back on the show for episode 287, I'm talking to Marco Goyanovic of the MR Luxury Group with One Sotheby's International Realty. His first interview on the show, episode 281, Marco and his partner, Reed Heidenry, shared how they leveled up their business and closed over a quarter of a billion dollars in luxury homes in 2022 alone. This interview, we have Marco one-on-one to learn more about his story. Marco shares from his family's move from Croatia to the United States when he was two years old to a top tennis player with two wrist injuries that ended his career at 24 years old, to a model, to a leader in hospitality, and partner and developer in building from scratch restaurants and clubs that quickly became Miami's go-to places, to now, just two years in the business, a top real estate agent in the country. Marco and I talk about how to make a name and win in luxury real estate. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. Powered by Breakthrough Luxury Coaching, this podcast was created for real estate agents across the world, coming together, sharing ideas that take their businesses to the next level. Breakthrough Luxury Coaching and Membership provide luxury real estate agents tools and resources that win more business, increase volume and sales prices, and create results. To learn more, go to getstarted.breakthroughluxury.com. And now for the show. All right, everybody, the Jerry Metcalf podcast for top real estate agents tell how they do it. We have back on the show. Welcome back, Marco Gujanovic. How are you doing? Thank you. I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. How are you? Good. So last time we had you on, we had you on with your partner, Reed Heidenry. You guys are both with One Sotheby's in Miami, Florida. You've partnered in the last like just a little over a year and you're doing well into the quarter of a billion dollars annually. And behind you is the development that you guys are actually launching right now. Yep. So I wanted to bring you back and everybody else wanted you to come back each of you and hear a little bit from you like your story one-on-one so where do we start marco what should we talk about first remind everybody of how Uh, you grew up how you got into this yeah so i mean quick little background uh i was born in croatia my family moved to the states when i was two years old grew up in california moved to massachusetts uh went to college in south carolina i played tennis growing up um i had a full scholarship to clemson university I was the captain of my team, um, graduated in sports marketing, tried to move, tried to play professional tennis, moved to Florida, had a coach here. You know, if you want to play pro tennis, you got to be in a warm, a good warm climate as Florida, California, Texas. Came down here, um, had a lot of wrist problems, two wrist surgeries and had to had to give it up at like 24 years old. Um, Had like a couple ATP points in doubles. Um, you know, but, uh, life life goes on and you got to make new moves. And then I got into coaching tennis. I was looking for, you know, jobs and never really having job experience or business experience. Then, you know, figuring things out, coaching a little bit, um, got into modeling down here by kind of chance because my roommate at the time was a tennis player model. So I kind of got thrown into that world and I was very fascinated with, south beach you know it was just like such a cool such a cool vibrant city it like i instantly fell in love with it um and yeah and then that kind of led me into getting into nightlife hospitality um started hosting throwing parties and that led to partnerships and you know owning a nightclub uh being a partner in two nightclubs and then opening a restaurant um wow yeah. Now, how old were you when you got into the, to, to say you were from, I mean, well, how old were you when you started opening restaurants and nightclubs? Um, I became a partner in my first nightclub, probably at 33 years old. Um, I started the nightlife business like around 27. So uh, it was like five years of, you know, hosting and throwing parties at all hotels, nightclubs, kind of restaurants, started an entertainment, entertainment company with my partner. So we were doing you know, big scale events. Um, we started a company called Model Volleyball, which is a really cool 
volleyball event with all the modeling agencies. You know, we were throwing good Super Bowl parties, Art Basel parties, Fashion Week parties, traveling around to Ibiza, Cannes Film Festival, uh, New York Fashion Week, um, you know, doing things in LA. So it was, it was quite, it was, it was quite fun for sure. <laughs> I mean, there's like, we need like five, a five volume series on yeah. that life story. And that's not even in that much, like how many lifetimes is that? So born in Croatia, came here. So there's a, there's a background already to come in and see opportunity where others don't. Yep. And then you, you guys landed first in, was it California? Oh uh, yeah. California from like two to eight and then Massachusetts eight till 18. Then I went to Clemson university and then kind of came to the Florida, South Florida area when I was 22, 23. And so then you're an athlete. Yep. And I mean, there goes the discipline. And then it's interesting because you were in coaching, which is kind of entrepreneurial, but it's not really like business. So yep. then you get into modeling. And then that kind of segues you into being a bit true business, like a business owner and, yep. run, and being a part of and being in hospitality, which it's like, like marketing sports for the diligence, yep. modeling and marketing for the marketing and real estate and hospitality. That's a big part of it. I find everybody that comes in this business out of hospitality are like the, some of the biggest killers in this business yep. and out of hospitality you segued into real estate from there or no, yeah. there was a business opportunity. Wasn't there first? Well, I was, you know, I was always, I kind of really started learning business through hospitality because of such the, the, the interesting people we meet every day. You know, I mean, you're constantly around high profile people, high net worth, you know, big time CEOs, you know, celebrities. So you kind of just build your relationships and then you start learning about, you know, what these other people are doing. And then you try to figure out ways that you can maybe like help them out or introduce them to someone or organically, you know, get intertwined and you just start learning, learning and opportunities come, uh, you know, I had an opportunity with a tech company that we kind of built from the ground up, you know, to raising a lot of money and, you know, growing a pretty cool, pretty cool business. And then I moved out to LA for it. And then I really like, was like, okay, cool. I can use all my connections in business. Um, Put things together you know help raise some capital uh and i kind of fell in love with the business side and then um and then yeah i was always looking for opportunities i felt like my network was my biggest strength you know growing up you know most people in hospitality have access to a lot of people and meet a lot of people you're yeah. always entertaining you're always taking care of people so you know you meet awesome people and it's just really how to leverage that um yeah. you know and work your way out of the business because it's a, it's a tough it's a young man's it's a young man's game um most people <laughs> and so so you were in so south florida playing tennis now then you go to la and for a tech business but then you make your way back to miami back to south florida yeah and then you break into real estate so how did all that transpire in other words how and why did you break into the scope of luxury real estate as you have now and by the way you are killing it within just a little over a year yeah um two years two and a half years two uh, okay two I years don't know. It came, well the company in la didn't go necessarily as planned and i decided i want to move back to miami and get a another fresh start i really missed miami you know i had a lot of friends here i felt like you know this was my, my place i like the weather more i like just the environment the energy um so I came back here and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I, you know, I was kind of broke at the time the project didn't really work out. I didn't really save, save much money at the time and I had to figure things out, but it's kind of hard to do really anything venture when you have like no fun, you know, no funds really, you, you have to make money. So I was looking back in the hospitality projects and I was trying to figure out what to do. And then my, you know, good friends, you know, Chris Pacello and Mio Danilovich who are, you know, very big hospitality guys. They owned a club called Rockwell. Chris owned a gym called Anatomy, which is, you know, the most famous gym down here in Miami now. They were opening a beach club uh, called Joya Beach. And, you know, it was about like two years out and it was in a really cool location. And they were like, why don't you come join us on this project? And, you know, I took a little time to think about it because I was like, do I really want to get back into hospitality? And then I was like, yes, this is exactly 
what I want because it's not nighttime. So I'm not going to be killing myself doing nights. And it's going to be a really cool platform for me to meet awesome people that will lead to the next venture. And when we started that project, you know, it became the hottest project uh, almost in the world because, and I don't say that in an arrogant way. I say that because it was COVID and there was nothing going on. The whole world was shut down. Miami was literally the only city in the world that was even allowing like certain things to happen, like outdoor dining, you know, minimal hospitality. And we were an outdoor venue. So we were able to, we were able to do things on a minimal scale and eventually build, build, build. Luckily, you know, the, the mayor and governor are very, you know, you know, very pro let's get out of this COVID. Let's get outside. Yeah. Outside. So, you know, all of a sudden our place boomed and everyone started moving to Miami. It was kind of just like a big snowball effect. And, you know, at that time I was like, okay, uh, real estate's always been very interesting to me. I had my license like 11 years ago that never amounted to nothing. You know, I was just, I was just young and fully in the nightlife. I didn't have, you know, the discipline to do, you know, another major career and take it seriously. So, um, so yeah, I got my license and I was like, okay, like, I just want to learn more about real estate. I know a lot of people, my friends own a lot of amazing houses, you know, why, why should I not be the one, you know, selling, selling and buying homes for my friends, let alone just learning more about real estate for myself in the future. And I got my license and uh, yeah, it kind of, you know, Joya was like a, the perfect platform for me to meet people. And then I just started, you know, really networking. Well, that's like the development was called Joy. Was Joya, that- well, Joya Beach, it was a beach club okay. on Jungle Island. Okay. Uh, so it was our, you know, our operation, our brand, um, you know, we were managing the property belonged to Jungle Island. And uh, yeah, I got my license at the same time. So I was kind of juggling two things. I was literally like getting up. I mean, I get up early anyways, but I was getting up in the morning. I was doing real estate for most of the day. Meanwhile, like on my phone all day, like trying to, you know, help manage the restaurant and make sure everything's going smooth. Then we'd have meetings at the restaurant. Then I'd be at the restaurant from like, 5 p.m. till, I don't know, 10 p.m., 10.30 on the weekends. I'd come home. I'd work more on the real estate stuff, get up, do it all over again. Then on the weekends, I'd be at Joya from like 12 p.m. till midnight. So I literally like didn't take a day off probably for like nine months. I literally worked seven days a week for nine months. Um, and long like, days. Very long days. And But like I loved it and I was like hustling and I was like finally starting to make money. And, you know, I was just like, wow, this is cool. It all kind of started happening, like clicking finally, you know, because like the couple of years before that were very hard, you know, especially before COVID. I can go into that a little, a little later. Um, And then, yeah, I remember I hit my first hit first, first deal uh, was an $18 million deal. And when you see a commission check after that kind of deal, you know, you're right away. I'm like, oh, okay. I really like this. This is what I want. This is what I want to make my career out of. You know, I mean, it's very lucky to hit a deal like that at the beginning. It took me a year having my license. You know, yeah, like five five months of me taking it seriously, and I found an off market deal. I met a client through a friend, and you know, that's kind of how it happened. At the same time, we were going through a a bad fallout with the island owners of Joya of uh, Jungle Island. We ended up leaving the parting ways on the project, and I was kind. You know, it was like uh, I was sad on one point, but on the other, on the other, I was super happy because now I was like, okay, great, I can spend all my time on real estate. Like I, st- I like fell in love with the business right away, and I was like, this is, I was like, this is kind of my, this is my calling right now, and I got to go full on in the business, and you know, was able to close a couple more deals, good deals this summer, and had a great year, and then you know, kind of partnered with Reed, who was my long time, long time friend for like 12 years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know Reed talks about in our, in the, when we had you guys on together, how upset he was when you left. And you went to LA. Like, when you went to LA for your business, it was like, this is our city, but you can't go. Yeah. And so now you're back and partnered up in selling real estate together. Um, there's so many things about that story that are awesome because a few things I hear are Again, our businesses, the, the most, one of the most challenging things about real estate, of course, there's the uncertainty and then there's the ups and downs. And your biggest opportunities were coming at your most challenging times. Yep. And you're getting out working like literally 16, 18 hour days, 
for nine months straight without a day off with no benefit of hindsight. I mean, we had the benefit of hindsight of knowing about the $18 million deal you did, but you didn't know that that was coming. You also, before you had worked, you know, were working those long days, you, you know, you had a history of being in tennis, of being in hospitality. You'd not, you'd worked long days before and had your successes. And then you had a big fall. before you came back and we're still like, all right, this is it. I'm honing in. This is what I'm going to do. So there's, you know, hard work pays off, but it's also like not just hard work. There's smart work, there's strategy, there's knowing what you want. I mean, there's a lot of things to it. So as we go back in this, should you, how did you know, like, was it just you're in the moment, you've got to do what you've got to do, or was it, how did you how did you make the calls? How did you make the decisions as you were coming back to Miami and recreating your life? Um, I mean, when I came back to Miami, it was like I was heartbroken because I put like seven, eight years into this company. Um, you know, we started it in Miami. I was kind of more of a part time basis, but like I saw the potential of the company and, you know, I was one of the very early guys in the company. You know, the CEO became like a mentor very, you know, one of my best friends. And, you know, I loved learning from him. And I just got to see like, such cool stuff. And like, my position in the company was super cool. And then like, once we got to a certain level, I mean, we had, you know, $8 million investments from Twitter. I mean, Drake was a part of it. I mean, I was sitting in, you know, meetings with Novak Djokovic, with Cardi B, with Migos, with Kevin Hart. So like, I had such a really cool role in the company, like running this celebrity brand ambassador program. And on the marketing side, so like, I just fell in love with it. I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. So actually when I went to LA, you know, the, the CEO, I kept being like, Hey, I want to come full time, full time. He's like, look, like we need to raise money before, you know, you can really come full time. Cause I can't pay you what you want to get paid, you know, in hospitality nightlife, you get paid very well. You know, I was a partner in the hospitality group at W hotel. It was almost like a dream position. If you're in hospitality, I mean, to be basically like running the nightlife and hospitality in one of the best hotels in South beach. Like it was a really awesome opportunity. You know, I had great partners and I loved the W hotel, but like I knew right away, I was like, I'm going to move to LA as soon as like, you know, we raised the money and I gave, I basically like told my partners in Miami, Hey, I'm leaving, you know, I'm leaving. And I went to the CEO. I said, Hey, I need that. I need that position like ASAP because I basically just, (laughs) I basically just told my partners I'm leaving the company. So I didn't even have like it set in stone. I mean, I knew it was going to happen, but it was like, all right, cool. I'm basically moving to LA in like three weeks. (laughs) Oh, wow. And people thought I was crazy. Like my friends are like, what are you doing? This is crazy. Like, like you don't know what's going to happen. This is a startup company. Like you're risking everything you know, you're going into a competitive sector, you know, we were doing like headphones and wearable technology, but like, I didn't care. Like I knew what we were, what we had. And like, it was like, I don't know, it was kind of a risk, you know? And then I kind of got to LA and I had this like, oh shit moment. Like right when like I got there, I was like, oh wow, this is a huge city. Like, I don't know that many people. Like I felt like a small fish (laughs) in a big pond versus the other way. So it was a completely different transformation, but come back to what you were saying so coming back from there um i was in a tough i was in a tough spot you know like i didn't have money i was trying to figure things out you know i was getting into credit card debt um i just wasn't smart with my money like the year before i lost money in crypto i lost money trading stocks you know um and so i kind of put myself in a really bad hole and i was like so money driven that i was like i need to make money i need to do deals i was trying to do a million things at once i was trying to do so many things that like none of these things were like happening when I thought like, oh, I'm going to make a hundred grand here. I'm going to make 200, you know, you're just, it was just quick money. And I wasn't focused on actually like building something and none of that worked out. I was dead broke. COVID hit Joya. We weren't going to launch for like another five months, four or five months. I had no money like coming in. I, I, I remember there was a time where I was uh literally had a, you know, my, my payments were, I had to pay like five, five grand a month in like bills approximately. You know, I owned a house with my business partner. I was trying to sell my equity in the house so I could like pay stuff off. It was like very tough. And, uh, but I was still like getting up at 6 a.m. like during lockdown. And I was like, I don't care. I know that like, if I stick to the course, 
I keep journaling, I keep reading, I keep meditating, I keep manifesting and just working hard that like things will happen. And like, you know, it was very hard at times. And but I kept I kept to it. And I was like, I can't wait to talk about these these times like in the future. I love that. And yeah. like, it kept going in my head. I'm like, you know, it's going to inspire other people because everyone goes through everyone goes through hard times. Not everyone makes makes it out of it. But, you know, it's when you have your back on the wall, like back against the wall, that's when you normally perform, you know, if you don't give up. Um, so, you know, those are just little moments in life. And then like, you see the breakthroughs and you're like, oh, wow, all the last five years that like I was doing all this crazy work is finally, finally clicking, you know, yeah. and it just like starts going and then you have the momentum and you're like, okay, wow. Okay. Let's keep it going. And, you know, set higher goals, try to be better. And well, look, so you go to LA, you get there, you're the small, you took a huge risk. You're the small fish and you do all of this and this business fails. But in all of that, you've said, <clears throat> even that risk, even all of that failure has contributed and created where you are now, which tell me if I'm wrong, is better than you would be had you stayed and that really amazing position that you already had as a partner in the W yep. in hospitality. Yeah. I mean, he went know, through a lot of hell, but yeah. yeah. I mean, look, you never know. Like I was always hungry to get better. Like I got to, like when I was 20, when I was like 31 32 like I really got into more like self-development I discovered Tony Robbins I started reading that and instantly like you know I started reading the books doing the exercises really like kind of mapping out what I want in my life other than just like an idea you know in your head oh I want to do this cool okay well how does it feel how does it smell how does it look like you know what's the roadmap what's the end game how are you going to get there like how are you going to do those things? So I started really mapping out what I wanted and like feeling it. And then, you know, eventually, you know, eventually it happened. But like, if you look back and, you know, the failure and you're like, hey, was it worth it? And I'll be like, yeah, absolutely. It was like, um, it was an amazing experience, even though, you know, it, I didn't get out of it what I necessarily wanted, like financially and successfully. But like, I met so many awesome people. I got to see so many cool things. I got to travel a lot. Like I did events like in Europe, you know, the Cannes Lions Awards, like among like all the biggest tech, you know, tech companies, like it was super cool, you know? So I got a lot of experience. I met a lot of people and that like, that helped me for my future business for, you know, the next hospitality venture with Joya and then, you know, with real estate now. That's so awesome. And you, there's a few things you said too. You talked about focusing, keeping your focus on keeping your focus on what you want, and then habits. Like no matter what happened, you kept getting up at six a.m. and you yeah. said journal, read, meditate, journal, read, meditate. Yeah, I mean, you know, when I started reading, like reading different books and like you know just reading stuff, I was like, okay, I know what I want. There is a better life. There are steps to getting to that better life. There's a, there's a reason why all these successful people do very similar things. Like if you're not journaling and you're not tracking your day and like knowing where you're going, like you're lost. Like I, if, I don't, <laughs> if I don't journal every day, I forget everything, like every wow. detail, you know, like, now what do you mean by journal, by the way? I mean, like, like this, sorry, you can't really see it. Can you, um, like this, but are you like writing your thoughts or are you like scheduling your day when you journal or oh, a little bit so of a the journal I have now, I really like it a lot um, because in the morning, the first the the first three things are what am I grateful for? So I do my gratitude. Then it's what is my what is my main goal? You know, that can be over the next week. It can be over the next month. It can say it can be like, hey, I want to close a deal by the following month or like, hey, today, like, I don't know, I want to call everyone in my family and tell them I love them. And then it's like, OK, what are your three daily targets? So it could be like, hey, I want to, you know, talk to 20 new people and potentially get a lead or, well, you know, I want to take care of my, you know, health insurance today. It, it can be whatever. And then like, what am I looking forward to at the end of the day? Or like, what, how do I want to look back at the day? And then I have my schedule and, you know, all the little things I need to do, like call mom, send her flowers, go, you know, call this client, like little detail stuff. And then like at the end of the day it I basically have to write like, what did I, what were the three things I learned from the day? And then it's what were my three biggest wins of the day? And then what am I grateful for? 
And I've basically been doing that every day for like six, seven years. And like sometimes, you know, of course, sometimes I go out weekend, I come back and I, you know, I don't do it necessarily, but like 98% of the time I'm doing it. And when I'm doing it, I'm way more focused, you know, I mean, it could be little stuff like, Hey, I need to learn. I need to read 30 minutes today, you know? And then like, I forget about it, but I look at my journals like shit. Okay. I gotta, I gotta read 30 minutes today just to check it off. And when you check things off, it's like, it's gratifying. You're like, okay, yeah. I did what I said I was going to really- do, which is very like good for the mind and body, you know? Yeah. So you get, it's like you, you recognize like it's, we, there's a quote that talks about what we do. Oh, what is it? But people talk about the human nature doesn't realize in the moment we think, you know, in the moment we, or it's what we do in the moment, how it adds over time. We don't recognize like everybody thinks they can do it in a year or more than they can, but they yeah. underestimate what they can do in five to 10. Compounding, compounding. Yeah. Right? Say like, if you focus on Compound getting like effect. 1%, 1% better every day, like in five That's years, it's going to be like, it's going to be actually, actually tremendous. And it shows, I mean, you, you, you can tell who works on themselves and who doesn't, who's trying to be better, who's not. Um, so well, yeah, then there's being, there's growing and, and saying you're growing, there's wanting and doing there's, yeah. you know, some people don't recognize they're in the state of want as exposed to the state of like actually action and achieving. Yeah. And then your action achieving it's in the morning, gratitude, my big goal for the day. And then my three targets, and then you also write down the little, okay, yeah, I got to get this checklist done. At the end of the day, you say, what did I learn today? You remember, because we learn things to forget. We learn them, which is not good. What were my three wins and what am I grateful for? Yeah. Yeah. That's the Marco, I mean, the Marco Gajanovic daily habits, the Marco, the Marco Gajanovic journal right there. Yeah. I love it. And I do that, you know, I do that at night before I, and then before I go to bed, yeah, when I'm doing all that, I'm writing everything I need to do the next day because, you know, if I don't do that, I wake up in the morning and you forget. Like, oh, it's so like, true. I might be like brushing my teeth and thinking of something and I'm like, oh shit, I got, I got to write that down, you know? So I just like, like, even when we were starting with podcasts, like I thought of something I had to write, it, I had to write it down, you know? So like. I have a notepad, the notepad and the phone are just like. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. you know, my morning, you know, I get up, I get up fairly early. I get up at like six 30. Um, I'll go in, I'll drink lemon water. I'll go take a shower end it with like 30 seconds of cold shower. Then I'll go meditate for 10 minutes. Then I make my coffee and get my journal out while my coffee's, you know, brewing. I start writing in my journal on my coffee. I finish my journal. I go and get ready. I go to the gym and then I come home, I shower and, you know, I'm normally, you know, working by nine and let's say nine ish, you know, that's all. But you you take care of yourself, so you're set for the day. You get yeah. your. Home. I mean, I love training. I love working out. There's nothing better than that. You know, my gym has a cold plunge and steam room, so like I do that every day religiously. It like makes me feel next level. Like I can't go without my cold plunge in the morning. <laughs> What's the temperature of the cold plunge? Um, this one's like low 40s, I think. Like, but like, for there's water. there's ones that are like in the third, you know, mid 30s, high 30s that they're next level cold. So I stay in it like two minutes. Um, it's good, but like, it's hard. You have to get used to it. It's <laughs> like, like I've done the cryotherapy where you get in and you have to just like, I have to keep talking to somebody, yeah. somebody and just remind myself to breathe. It gets hard to breathe. These things are nuts. All right. So as you came into real estate, you knew people, but a lot of people know people. They don't always make the deals. What, how did you do it? How did you go from knowing people, being an hospitality guy to being the real estate broker? And yeah, being or like everyone, like you get your real estate license, everyone looks at you like, oh yeah, okay. Like you're a hospitality guy. You got your real estate license, like everyone else and their mother, you know, especially during COVID. So they kind of like laugh at you, but you know, if you have a good relationship, they, they'll give you a chance. So my thing was just like showing, you know, I was working with a guy at the time that was very good with finding like off market deals. He was like a deal maker. He was always like trying to see like what homes would sell, you know, that weren't on the market. And he would find these crazy deals and he'd be like, Hey, pitch them to all your like most wealthiest clients. So like, you know, there, for example, like when I was at Joya, there was this guy, very well-known hedge fund guy worth, you know, five, $6 billion. I've known him, you know, for a while, had dinners with him more on the hospitality side. Um, 
And, you know, he was walking in and I was like, hey, how's it going? What's going on? He's like, oh, everything's great. You know, I'm planning on, you know, making my move to Miami. I go, oh, you're moving here. I said, oh, I got, you know, I have my license too. Like, you know, if, and I and I never say, hey, can I show you properties? I say, hey, can I show you, can, you, can I send you off market stuff? Because I know they're already working with agents. There's, you know, they know, you know, when someone like that is coming in town, they're working with the top agents in Miami and like, I know they're they're not going to just say sure kid show me around you know they're going to be like yeah, sure kid you can be my realtor while I yeah, spend a so I all I, I asked I was asked, hey, in my portfolio yeah yeah my my thing was always like hey can I show you off market deals and everyone's like and he was like oh I've seen them all and so I pull out my phone I go oh have you seen this one and he's like oh no I haven't actually C can you send me that and then after dinner he came up to me and goes hey take my number like send me that so like right away I just got in with a guy because I played it, you know, in a certain strategic way, but like all, and then I was like, okay, all I'm going to focus on is off market houses and pitch them to everyone and engage conversations and see what people want and see what they don't. And then, you know, I'd obviously have my list. I'd be like, okay, this guy wants this, this guy's interested in this kind of land. So I, I started building a database of like everything people wanted. And then I would try to go find that. And then, you know, my first deal was an off market deal. And it just so happened that like, one billionaire that I knew, I asked him, I said, Hey, I know an off market house, like right on your street. Do you know, do you have any friends that would like to live by you? And he goes, um, yeah, actually I do. And he connected me with the guy. The guy was in town for one more day before he flew to Boston. We showed him the property within two days. We had three days. We had it in contract at like 18.25. And, you know, we closed the deal like a month and a half later. And, uh, Marco, if we were in person, I'd be like, like, just high five me because what you're talking about is exactly what I'm talking about. It's exactly what I'm talking about. It, this is exactly like everybody who's whether even if you're seasoned, but especially like if you're at that point where you're like, it's time to get to the next level. What Marco just shared, replay, like replay that, replay that because this this business is not about getting people's permission to be a badass. It's not about getting people's, your success is not up to someone else's approval. That's not what this is about. We're brokers. Yeah. We're not job interviewing. We're not signing up and getting permission. Know your market, yeah. know what people want, track what people want, connect the dots, have the conversations that you show up, not as the person trying to get permission to yeah. be a taxi driver or an Uber driver for more money, but someone who's got something to offer a value for the time you've invested in everything you've done because you're a badass broker. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, look, it's a, it yeah. Was, it was really, really figuring out like what people wanted and trying to show them the best thing. Because what I realized was every smart, wealthy person or anyone buying real estate is most likely on Zillow, on Redfin. They are speaking to realtors. They know everything that's on the market. So like, how do you add value? How do you add value to them? And I was like, okay, I'm going to show them stuff that they can't see on the market because everyone, especially COVID, the inventory was so low that like it was a frenzy to find properties. And when you can show them stuff that they don't see anywhere else, all of a sudden you have them hooked. Like I converted two huge deals. One was a $9 million deal. One was a $15 million deal. Both of the guys had real estate agents, both very successful guys. I became kind of friends with them. And I was just like, hey, let me show you off market stuff. We became cool and I was relentless. I was every day, hey, you wanna see this property? Hey, you wanna see this? Hey, check this out, what do you think? And after like two, three weeks, they were like, they were calling me about listed properties and they're like, hey, can we go check this out? So like, I didn't even two times, I didn't even pick out the property for clients. I closed $25 million worth of two deal, worth, worth of clients, like, sorry, two deals for 25 million bucks, just because I was relentless for like a couple of weeks and they were like, hey, let's go see this house. And we ended up buying the house that I didn't even find. And they were working with other realtors, but they were like, hey, I like you. You hustle. You're going to. So like, that's it. That's it. Like being relentless and like following up and like showing them cool stuff. And like, you know, people want the comfort and they were working with top like other big brokers. And they're like, hey, yeah. you, you're putting in a lot more effort than like someone else's. They seem like too busy. And I'm like, well, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the time you say you're not. You know, when but you I'm come not, in I'm and never, say, I'm, I'm not busy, like I'll do. 
no, 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 a $3 million deal, $4 million. My, my eyes light up and I'm like, oh yes, this is the part I love. It's, this is fun. This is fun. I was like, all right, it's go. It's like game time. You know, like when you're walking into the ring and then like yeah. you finally get to show them the property, you're like, oh yeah. Like I'm, you just wait. I got my foot in there. I got my foot in there. Now we just got to work it. And then, you know, try to add as much value to the customer as possible and build that relationship, which like, right. well, which like was my favorite I, part I, of hospitality was building, building the relationship introducing them to someone else, adding value. You know, these guys come in, they want to buy homes. They want connections. They don't know Miami. And all of a sudden, cool. You want the best restaurants. You want to get into the best. Oh, restaurants. that's like, and now you're back. Now you're done. Like that's yeah. it. Next level. You membership. You need a membership here. Cool. I got you. Even though it's impossible to get a membership, like I got you. So it's like you provide a whole level of service that you're helping people. Then you're like, you connect them. Hey, my other friend here, you should meet him. He just sold his company. You guys will get along. So like, I know how to match people. So we're like, it basically makes their experience better. Like, cool. You got a boat. Let's do a really cool. Let's do a really cool boat ride. I mean, last night I hosted at my friend's penthouse. I hosted 20 to 25 people. I put together, I kind of curated it all. And I brought in like awesome people that we're working with you know, badasses that just moved here and I put them all in a room and it's just like fun, like networking, like chef in a sick penthouse. And everyone's like, wow, that was really cool. Well, like, look, you just, you just engaged more with your like potential buyers, people that you're working with, successful friends and like potential new, new business. And you just put them in a room. Cool. I, you know, meet other people that you guys might invest in each other's companies. You might do different stuff, but like, it, you know, we're the ones organizing it and we're curating it. So you're going to remember us for that. Exactly. And, and, and I like, I, I listen to Elon Musk occasionally. And he said this thing recently, like a month ago, I heard him say it. And he said, you know, when you, people look at like, they come into the industry or come into business or, and they go, okay, what can I get? And he's like, no, no, no. When you look at the pie and go and you make it bigger, you or you you and you create your own pie, you make it so big. There's so much coming back. Think about the value when you've met these people. You weren't trying to get something out of them and get permission to give them houses. You listened to what yep. they wanted. You put in front of them what they asked for, and then without them asking, like nobody ever asked for an iPhone. Without them asking, you gave them even more value, and I bet they're going to end up making more from their relationship for, with you, then you might have even, if you look at just one-on-one, -on -one, from meeting Marco Ivanovich, look at what your clients have gained. Yeah. They would have paid more than you gained financially from that relationship. Now, that doesn't mean you should go, like, it's, but it's not about taking more. It's like, that's how big your pie is. That's yeah. how big your world is. I'll tell you a really cool thing that like, one of the coolest things I've heard from from a client, he's become a really good friend, young, successful guy. It's actually a, a, a few of them, which is really cool, is that like we put so much time, Reed and I, into building these relationships. But like we obviously do it with people we really like. And it's like, OK, these guys are going to be my friends outside of just whatever we do in real estate. There's there's a whole long term relationship that's going to happen, you know, in the near future. Like our kids will probably hang out like we'll be friends. And, you know, we've done a lot of cool stuff boat stuff, hangout, dinners. And then they were all like, how can we help you? You know, they're like, what can we do to help like you, your business? Like, is it like, do you want just more introductions? Do you want like, and I'm always like, Hey, I just want to learn like business from you. I want to learn cool stuff. I want to learn, you know, like I want to talk about the next phase of my life where I'm, you know, investing in companies. Can you teach me that? You know, of course. Yeah. Send me, <laughs> send me referrals. Let's do real estate. But that's like a given, you know, that's going to happen organically you know so that's the kind of relationship we like to have with our clients it's kind of like how can we help you like what do you need in miami do you need do you need to find a great girl to hang a girlfriend we got plenty <laughs> cool girlfriends. do you need restaurants do you want like good lifestyle like do you want to go to certain gyms like what do you want and then we kind of help curate that lifestyle and introduce good people and just make it Add, add something more than just that real estate sale, you know? Yeah. So there's, there's knowing, having the access, access for people they can't find anywhere but with you. And then there's the hospitality component of that. There's a level of hospitality. And you said in our last interview, so when I was in hospital, this is with you and Reed, but when I was in hospitality, is what you said, every moment was spent on other people. 
Now, what's interesting is you ask a real estate agent, they think that every moment of their life is spent on other people. So you take someone who says, no, 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 in hospitality, every moment was on other people. Now you break into real estate. The, the level at which you invest in other people and understand how to cater, how to entertain, how to white glove service, how to really, really give people what they're looking for and give them experiences, next level is what you bring them. Yeah. And then there's the component of what I kind of know a little more about that. And then there's the third part about as you break into the market, what you bring as as the broker data information insight expertise. But let's talk about hospitality for a second. I find that the guys have just and by guys, I mean, guys and girls who have, have been in it and done it like they just have this knack that a lot of people don't have if they haven't really been in hospitality. Like, I mean, a partner with the W entertaining people constantly. Is there any, are there any like three things or one thing that just make it for, cause it seems like it's like second nature to you now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, hospitality, it's, it's hospitality. Like you have to be hospitable. Like to me, if I go to a restaurant and someone's rude, I'm like, you realize what industry you're in? You're in the industry uh, of serving others. You know, you can be a nightclub owner. You're serving others. Like you're going around, you're making sure people have their drinks. Like when I was, when I was doing nightlife, like I was at a hawk at my table. I could tell who had this much left, you know, even last, last night I was, you know, I, I, I scanned the room. Oh, my buddy's wine is run out. I run over. Hey, can I fill you up? Like, cause that's just like my hospitality side. So like, you could just, I can just read people well, you know, like when you're in a nightclub at a table and you're hosting people, I notice what everyone needs, what they don't, or if I'm at a restaurant, I know if someone's hungry, they didn't get enough food, what they're missing. Are they trying to call the waiter? So like, I'm always like paying attention to what people want, how they react to certain things. Are they bored? If someone's bored, I'll go up to them and try to like cheer them up, talk them, introduce them to someone else. All of a sudden, like, you know, someone that's shy, like having the worst time of life. Now they're like, oh, this is awesome. And my favorite part about hospitality was when people would leave your party, your nightclub, and the next day they're like, dude, you just made the most epic weekend for me in Miami. Like, you know, because all of a sudden they're going in back, they're going through the back of the club. You walk them out to their Uber, you bring them into the DJ booth. They meet Tiesto or they meet this DJ and they're like, oh my God, like you just introduced me to like, you know, this basketball player or this person or this CEO. So it's always just like enhancing people's experience. And I think real estate is like that too, you know, and there's, there's only really a handful of people. I think there's some real estate agents I really look up to in Miami and they do such a really cool job of like curating things or brokers opens or doing cool creative stuff. And I think, I think that's what like from hospitality I've learned going into real estate is really, you know, how to curate cool experiences and make, and make people feel really like, you know, make the experience of buying and selling real estate more than just buying and selling real estate. Because it is about their home anyway. Yeah. But it's access, hospitality, and then just listening. Yeah. Part of that is listening. And going back to being a real estate agent, because there's this big challenge of going from, there's a lot of people in hospitality with licenses. And so breaking through almost that stereotype when you go into that. Um, but it, when you look at as the real estate expert, I think the most valuable thing you gave people was access to property and just getting that access and studying the market or finding those properties gave you the market knowledge because the process of doing that does that. But what else, what would you say your other one or two most valuable like real estate expertise was or is to your clients? Um, I mean, you know, you were just talking about, you're really knowing, knowing your market. Like I know, comps like I study comps all the time like every day I'm on the MLS and I'm I literally like because I wanted to learn the high-end market like every day I'm just like 10 million plus everything that's listed and closed and it doesn't change daily but I go over it so I can memorize the addresses the prices the square footage so when someone like is like oh yeah like this I'm like oh have you seen you know 5780 North Bay Road or cool like you should check out 28 West Toledo so there's like, I know waterfront properties, like Reed knows condos very well. Like he knows the addresses on everything. Cause I'm like, still like, okay, bath club is, and he's just like, 
you know, and like, I'm like that with, I'm like that with like waterfront properties, because that's what I was like, I want to sell the most expensive properties in Miami. So I'm going to learn those properties. So even before I was selling them, like, you know, one of my mentors, this kid, Alejandro, who's with Sotheby's is now, you know, with the Jills, he was like, literally educating me on everything all the time, like driving me around. And like, I wanted to learn. I'm like, Hey, can we go on a tour again? Like, show me the islands. Like, what's this? And then I would also like go on the MLS and I would write down, okay, Star Island, who's the owner? What's the square footage? How big is the house? How much water frontage? When was it last sold? For how much? You know, how many homes are on the island? And like what it sold for last. So I would actually write it down because like just looking at it, you're not going to, you're going to forget it. So like writing it down and I would do that Star Island. Okay, next, Hibiscus Island, Palm Island, Venetian Islands, North Bay Road. So that's kind of like how I started really learning stuff. and. You know, when you can spit things out, because your clients are smart as shit. <laughs> so they normally know more than you. So like, I, I mean, I talked to some clients and like, you have to be super sharp because they know everything that you know, almost, you know, and it's like, you have to be like, you have to get them with like certain little info and like, you have to, you have to provide people info where they're like impressed to like, wow, this guy knows his stuff, you know? Yeah, right. And it's that little thing that, that. Cause it's all about the best, be the best, yeah. being the best in the world is way yeah. underrated. Yeah. <laughs> Marquette, let's get back and look at, you've gotten a lot done as an agent in the last two and a half years. Again, I'm going to remind everybody a quarter of a billion in counting in a year. Um, if you could go back and look at one of your greatest lessons you've learned in this business, because we still all make mistakes. It wasn't all luck. What's what's something that comes to mind for you? What's like take us there? What's your story or a story? Um, I would say some of the things I learned the most were, you know, really following up with clients all the time. You know, you might think a client is maybe wasting your time because they're looking at so many things and they've changed their mind but you never know because I've lost deals to, you know, clients you cool off for, for a second, which normally I'm not like that. Normally I'm pretty relentless. And like, even Reed, even my partner Reed is like, well, I don't know how you do it. I was like, I'll text the guy every week until he like really responds. Like, I don't care. Like I'm, I, I, he wants to look at property. So I'm sending him properties and, and I'll be like, do you want to see it? No response next week. Another property. Do you want to see this one? Eventually they'll respond in a, you know, and things get done. But uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a good one, which I learned a good lesson was I had this client I got introduced to. He just sold a big piece of his company and I was in touch with one of his business partners and his business partner was kind of like, Hey, I'm kind of handling the real estate stuff for my, for my friend. We're going to be looking up to like $40 million, you know, which was, would have been the biggest deal of my life so far. And uh, so I start sending him a lot of stuff. He goes, you know, FYI, we're also working with other agents, but show us like what you have off market, which is like, okay, cool, fair. So I sent him one property, like it gets listed a couple of weeks later. You know, there he told me he's going to see it with another agent. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I go, at least give me the honors of showing you that house since I showed it to you a month ago before this agent ever showed it to you, you know? So they're like, fine. So I tell the, you know, I tell the brokers, Hey, I'm bringing this client, da, da, da. the other agent like approved. It was okay. You know, they made it okay. So I bring the, uh, I'm supposed to meet the client and his friend the next day at this house listed for, you know, 40 something million dollars. And I show up there and, you know, the client makes me sign an NDA as well because they want to keep his, you know, his name disclosed, all that stuff. We get to the, he gets to the house. The client's not there. He goes, oh, the client had a, uh, a late night last night. He goes, he's. This is your client or this is. Yeah, this is my client. Okay. Yeah. This is his business partner that yeah. showed up. And he said, um, the client, he goes, he's super, he's dead. He goes, he partied all night. He was at space. He goes, I'm going to take some videos for him. He goes, but you know, we showed the house. He goes, this could be perfect for him. You know, he goes, I think this could be very good for him. And I showed him other stuff. And they're also like, do we rent? Do we buy? So they're, you know, they didn't really know. And so whatever, we showed the house after they saw a few things, you know, with other people as well, they kind of like, things slowed down. And they're like, Hey, I think we're going to rent for a little while just to really feel, 
where he wants to live and all that. It's Art Basel. He thinks he wants to rent something. I showed him rentals. Nothing came of it. And I was kind of like, you know, whatever. I kind of just forgot about him. It wasn't like a prior, you know, priority to me because he was all over the place. And not even loyal. And da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Not even loyal, you know, doesn't but, even but, seem like but he's not a lot of people are. So, but that's okay. But I found out a month later that he bought the house that I showed his business partner. And before it I, ever came on the market, by the way. Oh, it came on the yeah. I showed but it. You, to, you got I it in front it of him. It came on the market, but yeah, person. But I showed it to him a couple months before it came on the market, and the guy called me, his business partner, and was just like, "Hey, by the way, X Y Z X bought this house," and I was like, "With what agent?" And they told me, and they're like, "Yeah, because the guy that he plays tennis with recommended her, and he listens to him." And all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, but that's not fair. Like, I brought you to the house. He goes, yeah, I told him, but he didn't care. And, you know, I made a big fuss about it. Like, I called the other agents and they're, you know, they couldn't talk much because they were under NDA and they didn't want to ruin the deal. And, uh, you know, I called my brokerage. I made a big fuss. But at the end of the day, you know, they were like, look, this is a tough situation. And and then, like, after a day, I kind of cooled off and I was just like, I have no one to blame but myself. I go, I didn't register the client properly. I never met the client in person. I go, I should have. The guy was a tennis player too. Like I never played tennis with him. I never actually met him in person. I met his friend, his business partner. I went to dinner with him. I did all this stuff, but I never built a relationship with the client. So he owed me nothing and I didn't register him properly. So I go, I learned Mm -hmm. a big lesson there because I just basically lost a million dollar commission. (laughs) Yeah. Um, those are life-changing deals. So like I learned a good lesson there. One was make sure you're properly protected with the clients you're showing. Make sure the properties that you show people you're protected on uh, and to follow up with the client and make sure you get in front of their face and just be relentless and never, never let a, never let a deal slide like that. So that was a good lesson. It is a good, like, it, it, like even as relentless as you are, it happens, but it was a great reminder. Yeah. The great, like, wow, like that, like that hurts. Yeah. But you know what? Like I've, I've learned you have to let go of stuff. So like lesson learned, some people would be like, oh my God, I love, and like literally that second I was like, okay, well that's done next deal. I learned my lesson. Like, let's go after it. Shit happens. I lost a million dollar deal. Cool. I can talk about it later. And here I am. (laughs) You can't shut anything. Right. You can't change it. You can't should have done right. anything. You you're it. Gonna you what? Like you're going to complain about it to yourself and other people and look like a sore loser forever. Like, right. Great. That agent. Good for good for her. You know, and what did her. you put out to the universe with that? More of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm pretty not what you want. Like, you got to let go of stuff, you know, like the Buddhist, the Buddhist way. Just let go. Are the great tennis players. They had a tennis player. Like, yeah. I tried to play tennis on occasion. I couldn't let things go other than my racket flying out of my hand <laughs> 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 a few times. Um, right. Oh, wow. Wow. But what a great, like, what a great lesson to learn it early on is just to be on that. Think about the people, think about the perspective, think about the relationship, like yeah. be on it. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to do the final three again, because it changes sometimes, even though we've had you and Reed on together a few weeks ago. Okay. But number one, especially in context of our conversations today, what has been your biggest resource in this success? Um, I mean, my biggest resource is my net is my network. You know, I constantly work on my network. I constantly want to grow relationships. I put in a lot of effort of, you know, spending time with clients, uh, doing cool things with clients, doing cool experiences, going to basketball games, going to football games, uh, you know, going to dinners with my wife and their girlfriends or wives, you know, going on, going on boats, going on cool trips. Um, you know, I've been able to go on some really cool trips and my clients have treated me to some really cool stuff. So, you know, I put in that effort, you know, the beginning of each week, I look, you know, in my weekly calendar, I said, what am I doing this week to build relationships with my clients? Who are the clients I want to take to, to lunch? Who are the clients I want to meet to dinner? If I'm not doing, if I'm not having like two lunches a week with clients, I know I'm failing at my job or I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. So it's always looking at, you know, that part and that client network, that's my biggest asset. And it's just about, you know, cultivating it, growing it, nourishing it, building those relationships and adding value to my clientele. Is there a book 
that might especially relate to our conversation today or tell us the book that you talked we talked about the book last time or what's the book today um i think i said last time think and grow rich maybe like i mean I that's, like, that's like the business, that's like the business bible and like i yeah. listen to it and um you know i like that book i mean i i was reading different real estate books i mean i like i liked i read two of ryan surahan's books you know and like because he's just very fast paced he's in the gym yeah. in the morning. he's hustling he's a big he's a big personality and he came he came from being like a, a model he was a broke model in new york had no money so like similar similar kind of background you know like trying, trying new stuff, like was happy getting like a $3,000 rental, his first like deal and like just hustled his way and outworked everyone. And now he's, you know, one of the biggest in the world and, you know, let alone a big TV personality and has a whole media production and he's, he's fun. Yeah. There's a common theme here. It's habits and showing up for people, habits and showing up, habits and showing up. Yeah. But in, like, is that your, when you read stuff, is that the stuff that when you read things, you're, it sounds like the biggest takeaway and reminder in your life is habits and showing up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I like reading self-development books. Like it's, I'm all about that. So they all kind of have the same similar theme, just, you know, expressed differently or told a different way. Um, so I love reading self-development books. Um, you know, those are, those are great. Or, you know, self-development and business and business books. Um you know, stuff like 5am club, the monk who sold your, sold my Ferrari. Now I'm reading the millionaire next door. Uh, I don't know the monk who sold my Ferrari. I know the other one. Monk who sold his Ferrari. It's, it's with Robin Sharma as well. Um, it's absolutely awesome. It's about, you know, a hotshot lawyer that was all into sex, drugs, rock and roll, being the baddest guy, big ego suffered, you know, and then he suffered a heart attack actually in court went over, you know, to the Far East and, you know, became basically a monk. And then he kind of comes back and tells this, you know, story to this other new hotshot lawyer, how like what the life he used to live is not important. What is important are, you know, the certain core values, you know, giving back, you know, working on yourself, your family, your friends, you know, being at peace, like, you know, living a simple, living a simple, uh, you know, nice life. That's basically the, the gist of it. All right, and the last question. If there's anything you want us to remember from this conversation and time with you today, what is it? Um, I would say, I mean, you can, you hear it all the time. You can achieve anything, believe, you know, <laughs> like you, you really can. It's like, it's, there's, there's, it's, there's a systematic approach, you know, like that every successful person does, you know, and a lot of times it's manifesting, really believing and picturing that image. Like I used to sit on my balcony and look at all the buildings and the islands and just picture myself selling these things, being in them. And like, it happens. I'm filming in these properties, I'm selling them. So like a lot of these things, if you really, really believe that what you want, just like really feel it, put yourself in those shoes, you know, work hard. Everyone's going to be in tough times, you know, whether you're broke, successful, things fail, but things get better over time, you know, and everything you look back and you're kind of happy those things happen. Like you like your failures, you like those hard times. Um, well, that's what you did. Look at what you did in those yeah. hard times without any benefit of the hindsight you have now. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. Sometimes I have to like be like, oh, I'm grateful for my accomplishments because now I'm like, shit, I haven't done anything this year. Like we've closed a couple of small deals. Like I haven't closed that huge transaction. I, I have to hit my numbers. My, my target for this year is over double what it was last year. Am I going to hit those targets? So like, it's like, you kind of forget what you did, but it's nice to be like, wow, I've, I've done a lot of cool stuff, but you got to always set the bar higher and, you know, and, and improve, you know, I think that's our crazy mentality. <laughs> right. Well, there's also this kind of interesting reality of like, things don't stay the same. They tend to get worse or better and better seems like the better option. Yep. And it's often the easier option if you think about it. Yep, for sure. And then just one more thing, the project behind, if you want to learn more about it, hit me up. It's called 29 Indian Creek. It's 11 luxury residences in the Faina district. Super cool project. Um, great developer, Jason Halper and JMH Development. So hit me up for more info. Nice. So are they in pre-sale? Is it built? Like give us a little it's more. Rebuild. It's going, you know, uh, there's going to be a demolition. There's an older building um, that's there, you know, right now on the property is going to be demoed next month. And we're going to be breaking ground in 
end of April, May. It's going to be a two-year project. There's going to be a penthouse, eight residences, two townhomes that are historic, that are being fully restored. Um, really cool project, you know, in an area. Is there going to be like a demo part or not a demo, like a demo, yeah, demo, like a demolition party or anything fun like that? Yeah, we're going to do, we're going to do some cool stuff. So you know, awesome. we'll do a lot of marketing and have a cool little, like, you know, brokers invite for the, for the demo part, uh, for the, for the demo and breaking ground. So yeah, it, it'll be fun. It's an exciting project. It's and do you have the price point yet? Yeah. Uh, townhomes are two and a half, about two and a half million bucks. The residences, um, the eight residents, the flow through residences are starting at 3.5 and the penthouse is 10.2. Nice. Marco, thank you. It's awesome having you on and awesome seeing you. Thank you for having me again. Great seeing you. Thanks for listening to the Jerry Metcalf podcast, where top real estate agents tell how they do it. Powered by Breakthrough Luxury Coaching, this podcast was created for real estate agents across the world, coming together, sharing ideas that take their businesses to the next level. Breakthrough Luxury Coaching and Membership provide luxury real estate agents tools and resources that win more business increase volume and sales prices, and create results. To learn more, go to getstarted.breakthroughluxury.com.